Exploring Mormon Thought features discussions about Mormon doctrine and theology that correlate with topics in the book series of the same name written by scholar and theologian Blake Osler. Find us online at exploringmormonthought.com and facebook.com forward slash exploringmormonthought. Welcome to Exploring Mormon Thought. Continuing with our series on Fire on the Horizon, the Heart of Atonement section, we are now moving to a section called The Fruit of Our Mortal Lives. So last time, we talked about the cherubim's sword and how going back into the Garden of Eden wasn't allowed because they could then eat of the Tree of Life, and that would be, we used a metaphor for, you know, living life in the past or thinking about regrets or holding people in the past and that kind of thing. And now we're going to talk about kind of a similar idea of the Tree of Life, but if you'll recall, the Tree of Life in the Garden of Eden is the same thing that in the Book of Mormon, Lehi and Nephi both have a vision of a thing called the Tree of Life that everyone has to go to, you know, and they're going towards the iron rod, and that's like kind of a symbol for life as they move towards it. So we're going to talk about how that Tree of Life relates to the Tree of Life in the Garden of Eden, and similarities and differences. But first, let me start with this quote here. You say, It is important to note that Adam and Eve were not cast out of the garden for eating the fruit. God's penalty for that was death, not banishment from his presence. Adam and Eve chose to hide from God, and he honored their choice to be separated from him. Yeah, what we're looking at, I mean, is an interesting phenomenon because Adam and Eve haven't been ever forbidden from eating this tree. There was no commandment, do not eat of the fruit of the tree of life. And yet we now have an angel blocking the way back without any choice about it so that we can't partake of that fruit. Now, what is the story telling us? I think it's telling us a couple of things. The first is there's no choice about whether we go back or not. It's not a choice. In fact, it's impossible to go back. We can't go back to innocence once we've lost our innocence. We can't go back to childhood once we've grown out of it. It reminds me of a, a beautiful song called Toyland. Toyland, Toyland, little girl in boyland, once you've passed its borders, you may ne'er return again. <laughs> you know, so we have this memory of this idyllic paradise in which we lived. Everybody, I think, has some, I hope they at least have some sweet memories of being children. I have some really beautiful, sweet memories of being innocent as a child and the magic of Christmas and just the wonder of being a child. But once we pass that, once we grow beyond that, we can't go back. It's impossible. And we talked last time about how it's impossible to go back to the past. We, we really can't do it. But I think what the Book of Mormon is focusing on and focusing on, because I, I want to point something out. I think this is very important to know. In Alma, and we, we just touched on this a moment last time, in Alma, there's this wonderful parable of the seed of faith. But the completion, when the seed of faith grows and comes to fruition, it is the tree of life that the seed turns into. So what I think is being symbolized here is that we have this path that we've got to take. It'll be a difficult one. We have to hold on to the iron rod. We have to be diligent, and we're going to have all kinds of challenges along the way. I just think it makes sense to read this from Alma. So I'm reading from Alma 32. This isn't in the book. That's why I wanted to bring it up. It says, this is Alma 32 and 42, and because of your diligence and your faith and your patience with the word nourishing it, that it may take root in you, behold, by and by ye shall pluck the fruit thereof, which is most precious and which is sweet above all that is sweet, 
and which is white above all that is white, yea, and pure above all that is pure. And ye shall feast upon this fruit until ye are filled, that ye hunger not, neither shall ye thirst. And so what Alma is doing here is he's quoting the very language of Lehi, as Lehi described the fruit of the tree of life, that it was most precious and sweet and white. And so what the fruit is representing here is what we gain from our lives, the results that we take from our lives as we live. And so that's probably where the next quote comes in. Yeah, so that one says, The tree of life represents exactly what the name implies, the fruit of our mortal experiences in this life. We cannot partake of that fruit until we have gone through this life. There are no shortcuts, and we cannot go around it. We cannot go back the way we came because of this simple fact. Experiential knowledge can only be gained from life's experience. So let me focus on the kind of knowledge that we get from the tree of life. And the symbol as it appears as we think upon it. I hear this from people over and over again, and I've I've been through these experiences myself. Think about the most trying, excruciating, gut-wrenching, trying times in your life. And over and over again, as I talk with people, going through it, you know, let's just admit it, it just sucks. Life is sometimes so hard that getting out of bed is just darn near impossible. And there are times when we wake up and the stark reality hits us and we're thinking, oh man, that wasn't a dream, it's real. But after we've been through it, it becomes the sweetest experience in our lives and we wouldn't trade it for anything, at least in my experience, I wouldn't, because of the person that it's made me to go through it. What I learned, the way that it tempered me, the way that it fashioned me and and you know, through the refiner's fire, the way that I was able to be molded by God. And these kinds of experiences, what I learn are to grow and stretch and, and to learn unconditional love. And I've had those experiences in my life. I think anybody who's lived any significant time, certainly any parent has had this kind of an experience. And so what I think the tree of life is telling us is that our lives bear fruit. We have also the parable where we know who a person is by their fruit. We know whether they're good or evil by the fruit of their lives. And so the tree of life is teaching us that as we taste the fruit of our lives, it's sweet and beautiful to us because of what it's making of us. And I think this is a very important message in in the Edenic story to tell us about the beauty of life and especially, especially when we are so burdened by life that it looks like getting just through the day is going to be all we can do. Yeah, I'm sure everyone's gone through their own version of that and will. And like you said, that's kind of the point. So talking of the tree of life in the Book of Mormon, you say that that tree is the same tree that Adam was barred from eating. It is as if the very fruit that is deadly poison before we have had a chance to fully experience mortality is also the sweetest blessing we can conceive of after we have trudged through the darkness in the midst of life. And then you ask, well, but why? I mean, I guess you kind of just answered that, so it's maybe that's more like a Jeopardy phrasing. That's the question to the answer you just gave. Right, but it's also, why is it that we can only see the sweetness after we've experienced the bitterness? And I think as we look at our lives, I mean, for Adam and Eve, imagine, let's just take this real for a moment. They're being banished out of the only life that they've known. And they're being thrown into a world that they really know nothing about. And the change is so great that it's really, I mean, it would be really, really difficult to navigate this change from immortality to mortality. 
I just want to mention that sometimes it's really hard to be in a mortal body. Wait until you get a little older. I'm just starting now with where my body has aches and pains that just don't go away after a few days. You know, I've watched my parents. They're almost constantly in pain. And so being in a mortal body can become very, very difficult. And just the kinds of things that we experience in life, why is it that in experiencing these things, nevertheless, there is this kind of a beauty and sweetness? And I I think that it is because life's experience in and of itself is so inherently valuable for us. When we think back on the experiences we've had, maybe, maybe there's something to the way that the human mind works to make things sweeter than they actually were. But the truth is that I think we, at least I do, tend to prize these kinds of moments. And I've come to see that there are no usual moments. Every moment is sacred. Every moment is a miracle. Every moment is an opportunity to love. Every moment's an opportunity to learn. And so there are no normal moments along the way. Even the ones that suck so bad we can hardly stand them, those are the ones that can particularly serve us. So I think what we're looking at, the tree of life is something that we were barred from partaking without life's experience. We can't really, without living a life, appreciate and have the fruit of a life. And so the fruit comes only after the season. We have the fruit only at the end of the summer when we're looking at fruit trees, at least in the Northern Hemisphere, they have to go through the heat of the summer before they can bear the fruit, and the fruit tastes sweet to us. And I think that's the kind of metaphor that's being used here. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And like I said, these things forge us. I had a a conversation with a co-worker recently, and she had a, a tragedy in her family. Her mother passed away rather unexpectedly due to like a random medical thing that they found out like the day before that she passed away. And I mean, I didn't know this before the conversation, but I guess also her father and she had some siblings, but they died in a car accident when she was little. And so her and her mom were all that there was in this family and now her mom's gone. And so she literally has, you know, no family left and she's not particularly religious. So I tried to, you know, I mean, that's my only lens for looking at these things. So I tried not to like overdo it with that but she she actually had a really good grasp on this insight too and she's like you know i mean all, all i can do at this point is you know i realize that like i can sit here and be sad and mope about it and i don't think anyone would necessarily blame me for that and you know she's like you know i need to grieve somewhat but i'm also you know i need to look at how this can help me become the kind of person i'm supposed to be like this you know this is kind of a random weird thing and i don't think this is just happening so I mean, I think that's the right attitude to learn from even the worst experiences and let that become something that, you know, that's why that can be valuable to her later. It's part of the thing that forges the person that she will become. And I thought that was a very insightful thing for just having found out the day before that her mom died, you know? Yeah, I think it's a very spiritually mature perspective. And I mean, there's this fact about it. Remember that we can't really partake of the fruit of the tree of life while we're going through the experience itself, while we're being tested. But the message to us, I think, is hang in there. Hold on to that rod. Hold on to it. Even when it looks like you can't see where you're going because of the mist, people are making fun of you. It's really tough physically to keep going. But hang in there. Because at the end, there's going to be this beautiful, lovely fruit that is so delicious and so beautiful, that it will be more delicious than anything you've ever tasted. So hang in there. The best is yet to come. And I like to give people the message, look, the best is yet to come. It's what the tree of life teaches us. 
Look forward to the rest of your life. Bless your life's experience. And remember that the worst experiences in your life are what transform us most effectively into the people that we are. That's what really gets our attention to change us. And so the tree of life is this incredible symbol of teaching us about the beauty of our lives and about how to hang in there and and look forward to the future, even when it looks impossible for us. Because things are going to change, and God has set life up in such a way that we will reap the fruits of what we sow in, in truth. And the beauty of our lives will be manifest. So just hang in there. Just hang on a little bit longer, and you will be able to have the most delicious experience you've ever had. Thank you for joining us. To support the podcast, donate at exploringmormonthought.com. Follow us on facebook.com forward slash exploringmormonthought.com.